We continue our series of motions this morning, and this week's message is going to kind of be a handoff from last week. So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go online. You can't visually see us online, but you can listen to it. Uh, it's usually about a week behind on our website. Before I get into that, Brady, come on up here, if you would. Brady was with us for the first time last week. This is Brady Chrisman. His uh, mom and dad attend here at Northside Medina. But he is coming on with us through the summer as an intern to Joey. And his heartbeat is to help us begin to make a presence within our mids in our high school here at Medina. And he's going to... do lunch with them, hang out with them, and make that happen in this place. He is a uh, amazing, gifted wrestler. I've been there well, two times at least to watch him wrestle at Kent State. Uh, he's on full ride there. Uh, so if you're looking to strike up a conversation with him, talk about wrestling, and he can go forever. Um, but I'm not going to mess with him ever. I've seen him in action. But again, let's welcome him. Glad he's here. If you have not yet picked up one of these cards in the lobby, please do so. Gives you information on where to go to to uh, get involved in Compassion. It's happening. It's up and going now. Compassion 2022. Many of you brought in the bags this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, That will be... Uh, a great blessing to our ministry that passes those out to folks who need them desperately, those items. But May 14th, if you go online and you sign up, May 14th, we as a church will be going to Medina High School and picking up trash all around the high school. I'll have everybody, everything there. You just need to show up. And if you want to bring gloves, that's great. But we'll be picking up trash at 10 a.m. She'll only be there about an hour. Uh, so if you can make that happen, that would be awesome. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? That's probably the most fundamentally important question you and I will ever answer in our life. Because our hope determines who we are right now. Our hope determines how we live our life. Our hope says everything about us. A couple things that are determined by the hope we have. One, our hope determines and dictates the purpose of our life. Ultimately, whatever you put your hope in is what you live for. That determines your purpose here on earth. Some people might put their hope in money. So that's all they live for, is getting more and more and more. Others might put their hope in their marriage. So their hope lies in their spouse or in their kids. Others might put their hope in good health and living a long life. So their entire days are spent in investing in their body, physical body. The challenge for many of us is not to put our hope in something that inevitably is going to be stripped away. It's going to end. 
And so Paul's going to talk to us about a hope that never ends. It doesn't die. It's a living hope. Another thing our hope determines is our ability to endure, our ability to last. As many of you know firsthand, it's not a matter of if we're going to have challenges in life. It's a matter of when, right? We know it's coming. Uh, and I always like to say if you don't have a storm in your life on your Doppler radar, just hang on. One's coming around the corner. They come and they come and they come. And so if our hope is in something temporary that's going to be stripped away, then we have no foundation on which to build our life. But if we put our hope in something outside of this life, then we have the ability to endure. I received a Facebook message just this morning. I want to read this to you. This is from one of our members here at Northside Medina. She doesn't get to come very often here lately because of her health. But she sent me just this about 7 o'clock this morning. It says, hey, just reaching out to ask for your prayers. A week ago Friday was with my sister, I started having stroke symptoms and went to the ER in Wadsworth. Then we were, I was transported to Akron City stroke floor and I was there for four days. Was so blessed that this was only a hit of a small vessel. Only a small sensory issues were affected rather than large movement. It's the left side of my face, tongue, and left hand and forearm. And realizing, well, this is nothing in comparison, comparison to the big issues, lots to come back from. They'll be doing a 30-day heart monitor and other neuro stuff all month. Still processing all that's happened, but wanted to use this time to also emphasize his perfect plan. While in the hospital, I was able to bring glory and share his truth with many and was more than covered in protection, in his protection and divine strength to do the work that was available to me. My room became a place of refuge for my nurse, wonderful nurses. I had no doubt it was Christ's light shining through me that brought them there where they could find rest and share their hearts. We, capital letters, should never stop looking around, looking around us for what is still left to be done in every situation. While this may be a time of low and slow, as I follow his GPS grace, pace, and space daily, I have no doubt that all this has happened for his promise and his purpose. Prayers going up for good blessings this morning for North NCC Medina services and with you all i'm with you all in heart and spirit amen honk honk cindy horn uh when i read that this morning back here in my little office i thought that's the essence of what i'm talking about no matter what happens in our life no matter what challenges come our way if our hope is built on something beyond this world, then we can write and, and share things like that and have that kind of purpose and promise.
Well, Romans chapter 8, Paul's going to talk about that. Beginning in verse 18, Romans chapter 8, here's what Paul says. He says, I consider that our present sufferings, our present sufferings. That's kind of a general description, not very personal for you and I. So what I want us to do is make it personal because that makes hope more real. I want you to think about your present sufferings. What would that be? If you were to fill in a blank, my present sufferings are, what would that be? Maybe it's health-related. Maybe it's health-related for you. Maybe it's health-related for somebody that is in your family. Maybe it's of a financial nature. Maybe it's relational. Maybe your present sufferings are sitting right next to you this morning. (laughs) My wife would say sometimes I'm her present suffering. But in all seriousness, what are you dealing with? Who or what are your present sufferings? Because here's the deal. Present sufferings are real. They're in every one of our lives and they're true. And we recognize that this scripture deals with that hope that we have. What happens sometimes if we get a false impression when we give our lives to Christ, when we become a Christian, we get a false impression that present sufferings don't exist when you give your life to Christ. That's not true. But someone is a new Christian and all of a sudden present suffering comes, challenges come in their life. They say, time out. I thought if I was on God's team, this stuff wouldn't happen to me. Well, that's not necessarily true. In fact, more sufferings may come your way if you're on God's team. We talked about that last week so people can see Christ in you. John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Paul talks about present sufferings as if it's a given. Yeah, you're going to have challenges in this world. You're going to have suffering in this world. You're going to have present sufferings in this world, but your hope should enable you to rise above that. For what we put our hope in reveals the foundation of our life, the foundation of the house. Yes, the storms may come, the storms may blow, but it reveals the foundation that exists in a believer's life. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish-Australian Psychoanalyst, psycho, uh-huh, psycho, uh-huh, scientist. In Ostrich, a German concentration camp during World War II. While he was there, Frankel, being a scientist, began to study the life of different prisoners and how they dealt with suffering. How they responded to the present suffering of being in prison. And he revealed those findings in a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he said some of the prisoners responded to their hopeless situation where everything, all their hope was stripped away. He says some of them responded by becoming brutal themselves, by becoming hard hearted, cruel. Some of them experienced maybe what you have experienced in life as well, if you've gone through present sufferings. Maybe those sufferings made you cold. Or maybe some of you know has gone through present suffering and all of a sudden they become hard-hearted. 
become harsh to other people, don't have any hope in situations or other people, no more trust in people. That's one of the ways to deal with hopelessness. Another thing he says, some of the prisoners would do well for a while, but then all of a sudden they would just give up. He writes it this way. He says, usually this happened quite suddenly. We all feared for this moment in our friends. Usually it began one morning when the prisoners simply refused to get dressed or wash or go out to the grounds for inspection. No blows, no threats had no blows, no threats had any effect. They just laid there. They'd given up. They'd lost all hope. And that's how many people respond to hopelessness. They put their hope in something that's temporary, something that's going to be stripped away, and then they just give up. They quit. Maybe, again, that happens to you and I. I don't know if there's been a time in your life where you just felt like giving up, throwing in the towel, that it wasn't worth it. Maybe it happened that you really didn't feel like being here today. There was a big, big, big temptation to just sleep in. Because what's it worth? You don't feel like there's a lot of hope for fill in the blank again. That's how some people respond to sufferings. They kind of just throw in the towel and say, what's it worth? One more way people respond, as these people in the concentration camps did, is they would put their hope in their life of how it will be one day when they got out of the concentration camp. They would look to their money that was out there, outside of the prison, their status, their achievements, their family, believing that all those things would be restored. And Frankel says that once they were out of the concentration camp, despair, depression, and suicide rose among the prisoners because they put their hope in something that wasn't real, something that was stripped away and didn't exist anymore. But he says, the ones who truly overcame the prison camp were those who had a fixed reference point beyond this world. Get that. Those who had a fixed reference point beyond this world. It was out of the grasp of death, destruction, something that death couldn't even touch. And that's what Paul's going to point to here as a challenge for us to remember our hope is beyond this world, our hope is where? In heaven. In heaven. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 21. He writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated, will be freed from its bondage and decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And here's what Paul says. 
what I want you to do, he said, I want you to take your present sufferings, circle that, underline that in your head and in your heart. And then I want you to compare your present sufferings to heaven. Whatever it is, whatever it is, take that present suffering, take the challenges that you face in life, and compare that to what your life is going to be and what you're going to experience in heaven. And Paul says it's not worth comparing. It doesn't even come close. Our present sufferings in this life compared to the glory that will be revealed in heaven doesn't have a shot to beat it. As I was working on this message, and I kept thinking about heaven and kept thinking about our hope and the glory of heaven compared to what's going on here, a weird thing happened to me. God's Spirit took me back to my childhood and kept bringing up a song, a hymn that we used to sing. We used to do what was called singspirations when I grew up. Anybody ever done one of those? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We, it would just be a service. We'd gather like this, and you'd just shout out hymn numbers. And they would all of a sudden, there was a great pianist, they had it memorized, boom, you go into that song. Well, I couldn't remember the number of the page, but this is a song when we have these on Sunday nights that they knew that I was going to put my hand up from age nine all the way through high school to sing. Here is, I got to look at the words so I've got it right. Here's the song, all right, and we're going to sing it for you if you know it. Join in, all right? This is it. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy I am telling, he made all the darkness depart. It's not tough. Stand up. You thought you're going to sit and listen to me sing. No, that's not happening. All right. Remember, and compared to our present suffering, think of heaven coming down. It's going to happen. And the glory that will fill our soul in comparison to those sufferings. Here we go. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Joy I am telling, you made all the darkness deep. 
cross, my Savior, he made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Love that. Don't be asking for inspirations, though. Um, you know, love that. Isn't it amazing how that's why it's so essential for your kids to be in worship? I just can't emphasize that enough because so many times during a week or every other week at least, my mind goes back to things that I got it this high. It just goes back there. And that becomes my foundation. Uh, and that's where my hope was established. St. Teresa of Avelia experienced incredible loss in her life. She endured years of sickness and illness, just kind of chronic illness and pain in her life. And towards the end of her life, Here's how she summed up her hope. She said, in light of heaven, the worst sufferings on this earth will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. Anybody ever had a night in a bad motel? All right. Last year on the way to vacation, I did a, well, with Brenna's help, we did an Airbnb like, we had two weeks vacation, but we could only afford one week at the beach, and it was beautiful. <laughs> so we had to Airbnb and find a cheap place the week before. Anybody ever rent something on Airbnb and get there and go, this isn't what the picture looked like? Well, that's what this place was, all right? The pool kind of had, a, like, a scum look to it. It was a house out, supposed to be a plantation, well, you really couldn't see the house for the weeds at this plantation in South Carolina. But we endured that for a week. Some got eye infections from the pool water. But we suffered through it. And that was a week-long kind of misery kind of a thing. But we could endure that because what? We knew what was coming. We knew what was coming and where we were going at the beach, and how much fun and relaxation that would be. In comparison to heaven, that's not even close. But it gives you something to grab a hold of. We go on in verse 22, New Living Translation, I'm reading this from. Paul says, for we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And even we believers... Although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait anxiously for the day when God will give us full rights as his children, including the new bodies he's promised us. Now that we are saved, we eagerly look forward to this freedom. For we already have something. When you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. Verse 25, but we look forward to something 
we don't yet have. We must wait patiently, and we must wait confidently. Paul uses a metaphor here, and it's a metaphor of pain within childbirth. Now, I've read, I don't know if it's true, I believe it is, I've read the two most painful experiences in life physically that you can go through are giving birth to a child, and what's the other one? Kidney stone, all right? Now, ladies, I don't want to debate on this if those two things are even close, but this is what I've been told. Now, the difference is in the pain, in the physical suffering of those two things, giving birth to a child or passing a kidney stone, the difference in the suffering is the outcome of it. If a woman goes through childbirth, gives birth to a child, very, there are many that will say right soon on the other side, hey, what a blessing. Let's, let's have another one. Let's have another one. I have never heard anybody say, please, God, bless me with another kidney stone. Right? You ever heard him say, man, that was awesome. I can't wait to have another kidney stone. What's the difference? The difference is the miracle that's on the other side of giving birth to a child. Having a baby or having a stone. That's what we have when we look at our present sufferings and what we have to look forward to in heaven. Paul says in verse 23, Paul explains that we also find our hope. It's not that we're left alone in our present sufferings, but he also gives us somebody to go through it with. He talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I love this picture, verse 23, he describes it as a foretaste of future glory. That the Holy Spirit in our life is a preview of coming attractions. Verse 26, Paul says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. Can you grab a hold of that? We have someone inside of us as believers that guides us and helps us through distress. It's not do we, we do. We just have to rely on that. When we pray and we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to say, all you got to do is hush up and the Holy Spirit intercedes and lets God know. There have been times in frustration and distress in my life that I've kind of walked around a pond, I can remember, and just going, ah! Didn't have the words, but the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit meets us where we are, and he is our divine translator in our sufferings to God. One of the things I've learned over the years, I've preached in different countries, and as I've preached there, I've had translators. And one of the things I've learned is when you have a translator, they can give you a, just a translator who might not be a Christian, that they just pull off the street who knows English, and they can translate for you word by word, and there's really not much heart in it. But when I'm paired up with a pastor that I've known for a few years, and he knows me, I know him, he knows God's word, but more importantly, he knows the people. 
He has relationship with the people. I can start to preach on something, and he'll kind of look at me and give me this little smile when I'm talking. And it's kind of like he's saying, yeah, I got this. <laughs> I got what you're saying. And I might only talk for three minutes and stop so he can translate. And then those three minutes, for some reason, he turns into 20 minutes. Why? Because he knows the people. He knows the people's heart. He knows God's word. And he knows what the people need. That's what the Holy Spirit does with us and God. It's that simple. He knows our heart. He is God. Therefore, he knows God. And he is able to connect us to him. That's awesome. Paul says, when the Holy Spirit prays, he has a tone that if you could hear him, it would be like groanings. Groanings. More literally translated means a strong, heartfelt desire. Also translated, the Holy Spirit is begging with tears. Isn't that cool? He knows us so much. He feels our needs so much that on our behalf, he's groaning to God and he's begging God with tears to meet our needs. And as you study this scripture, I'll end with this. There are two key words that you don't want to miss. One is the word hope. In the NIV, it's used like a half dozen times within this passage of scripture. Another one is the word wait. Verse 23, it's used three or four times. We wait eagerly. Verse 25, we wait patiently. We wait confidently. Verse 19, it just says, all creation waits in eager expectation. As Christians, that should mark our lives and mark our hearts. That we wait. Another translation says, with breathless anticipation. Wow. We wait with excitement, gazing eagerly. It says, with an outstretched neck. That's the difference hope makes in our life. No matter what happens, no matter what suffering we go through, we wait with breathless anticipation, with an outstretched neck. Wait for it. Wait for it. We wait eagerly for heaven. 